Hello and welcome to The Y Word, the podcast that gets under the skin of the world's most exciting companies and the people that run them and make things happen, asking why they do what they do. My name's Ian Hawkins, and in each episode, I'll be grilling a guest on what their business offers and why it matters. Later in the program, you'll hear this. I've always had a desire to have both financial as well as, I guess, intellectual freedom. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily want to be constrained by someone else's belief system. In a moment where everyone's energy perhaps might be a little bit low, in a moment where the general mood might be a little bit negative, I just want to bring that positive spirit to the office every day. You have to stay hungry, you have to stay ambitious, you have to keep believing what you believe, but there is, of course, a higher degree of risk because it's not just you anymore. Today, I'm talking to Paolo Zanini, the director of TBD Media Group. TBD has been running for five years, working with hundreds of companies from blue chips to entrepreneurs in partnership with some of the world's most respected media platforms, which include the BBC World, the Wall Street Journal and Handelsblatt. Today, it's his turn under the spotlight. And as we're recording this in lockdown, the themes of digital media have never been more relevant. Paolo Zanini, welcome to The Y Word. Hi, Ian. Great to be here. Lovely to have you. So tell me, what does TBD Media Group do? We are essentially an international uh, video publisher. Um, We produce uh, broadcast quality content for a number of clients around the world. And as part of the way that we work with our clients, we generally tend to have distribution uh, arrangements with a number of key titles, uh, which, as you rightly mentioned in, in, in your introduction, will include the likes of BBC Worldwide, uh, CNN, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, and so on. So we don't just produce content, we publish content, uh, essentially helping uh, organization thought lead around the world on, on, on key subjects. So you're not just putting the camera on people, you're actually doing much more in-depth stuff about telling their story. At the heart of, of what we, we ultimately believe is that Companies should be part of a wider debate and companies have a voice uh, that should be heard um, and we want to help them to be able to articulate their stories. We want to help them to be able to articulate their vision, their mission. And we do that by making sure that when we produce their company and, and, and we create a narrative and a story around what they're doing, we also have a way for that narrative to reach people via our partnerships with our media partners. So lockdown where we are at the moment, it's kind of an interesting space for you to be in, isn't it? Because we're all consuming all this digital content. Is This is a really good opportunity for you. Digital is, 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 is significantly come under the spotlight in, in the lockdown. Um, the, the reason for that is because, well, you know, quite frankly, that's the most useful tool that we can use right now to, to, to keep in touch, to, to work and, and, and to do a number of things. I think that it will always be something that will stay with us regardless of when the lockdown finishes. And I think most importantly, whether you look at it from a pragmatic standpoint in terms of the wider society or whether you look at it from a business point of view, they are somewhat different. But there is one common thing, which is this has accelerated the rate at which both companies and individuals embrace digital transformation and digital tools to enhance and expand on their personal and professional lives. So there will be a number of things that people have learned along the way, which they've had to over the last couple of weeks, a couple of months, which perhaps they didn't know beforehand. And if you think of digital as as an extension 
of of what you can do almost as a secondary brain almost in a way then there are a number of tools which you're going to be very happy that you learned along the way and you're going to keep using even after the lockdown sure but aren't people going to be really hungry for the real life the real experience after lockdown's finished yeah i would say 100 percent. you just can't get away from wanting to to touch people, to hang around with people, to look at people in the eyes. And, you know, there's a number of basic fundamental human necessities that you have, which digital just can't replace. I mean, it's, it's all very cute to watch, you know, a lot of cat videos, but at the end of the day, it doesn't replace actually having a cat or a dog. One thing that hopefully people will have taken away from all this is really learn to cherish what they have. And... I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, cherishing their friendships, cherishing personal connections. We went through a period where that was taken away from us and hopefully it's given us an opportunity to cherish those. I have to say that having an actual conversation with you, socially distanced as this is, yes. we got the tape measure out earlier, yeah. it, it is still feels like quite a treat to be in a room with another human being. Yes. Um, though it smells of hand sanitizer and bleach. Yes. <laughs> but it's nice to be here with you. Absolutely, absolutely, same here. Question for you, Paolo. Um, so this idea of, uh, of TBD, it's about thought leadership. Was that the sort of founding idea of the entire business? I think at the heart of the business was always a desire to help companies communicate. And the crucial word here is to some extent help. You know, not that companies are not able to communicate. That's not the, 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 the point that I'm trying to get. I think the point that I'm trying to get is that... Um, a lot of times companies are very, very pigeonholed and kind of have um, a, a tunnel vision, which is specific to their industry and specific to maybe even their product. And their ability to understand how that product plays within a bigger picture and how to be able to tell that story isn't necessarily something that comes natural to them. And so having another organization who understands the underlying fundamentals of business Right. So your P&L, your bottom line, how that works in terms of across the different departments, the different stakeholders, the different shareholders and understands the complexities of that. But at the same time, can also help companies tell the story from an emotive point of view, from a human point of view, is something that we are able to bring to the table. And it's something that we are then being able to put those stories out together with those companies where we kind of take a bit of a bird's eye view on, on, on that company. You know, what's that company's role in the bigger picture? Well, do you think that clients get that it's really about that bird's eye view, that it's about the brand? It's not about the latest widget. It is about yeah. the fundamental principles of, of a business. Do, do clients get that? It's a bit of a tricky one because I think in an ideal world, yes, but the reality is that it really boils down to personal decisions in terms of you know specific companies uh, different companies will have a different view some of it is natural in the sense that if you're dealing with a large organization that has different fingers and different pies then generally speaking they are much more aware of the importance of the brand i.e the bird's eye view because their relation with the market depends on it so much more. So the perception of that brand has so much more of a consequence because it's not directly related to a single product. It kind of cuts across, right? So you look at something, someone like Kawasaki or Mitsubishi, right? You think, oh, they only do cars or they only do bikes. They're actually involved in an array of different industries, right? And so it's very important for you to understand 
what the brand identity is and what the story of that brand is, because it'll have a different impact across these different industries where it operates. If, for example, you're only selling one product and you're only in one industry, it's a little bit harder, I find. But it is changing. Companies are becoming much more aware of their importance of, of being able to tell that story from a bird's eye, bird's eye view. Um, and, and they understand that they're not just a company. They're not just a collective of people that are out there, there to make money. That's certainly a crucial factor, but they also understand that they, they have a role to play within wider society. Sure. And as I look back through the five years of TVD Media, I'm mm -hmm. seeing things like when Brexit started, there was a big push to get people, you know, Great British Business was one of the strands that you had to say British businesses are still looking outside mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. despite Brexit. Uh, and with the UN Sustainability Goals, which you're, which you're partnering with the UN on that, do businesses like that idea of being plugged into a wider context? I think businesses like the opportunity to take part of a cause, whether that be something that is directly about issues such as sustainability, whether that's an underlying support of their industry. But generally speaking, companies want to be seen as doing good, but they also want to make sure that it's a positive impact on their bottom line, rightly so. What we do is we generally tend to look at some of the macro trends that are happening around the world. And in, in, in combining it with some of our partners, what we're ultimately providing is the credibility of that narrative. Hmm. So when you look at an issue like sustainability or you look at an issue such as supporting, supporting small businesses or you might look at an issue such as Brexit, the key factor very often is the credibility that you have in terms of being able to tell that story. And if intuitively perhaps there isn't that level of credibility because perhaps the place where the content is published is not renowned or is not something that gives you that credibility, then it's a little bit harder. We all have this in our daily life. If you have a positive perception of a media brand, you'll tend to trust that story more, right? Mm -hmm. And by that same principle, if I'm telling you about a series of films that look at an issue such as sustainability or look at an issue like Brexit, you are more likely to be intrigued and to have a sense of, uh, of trust uh, if, if it's on pu published on, on somewhere like Bloomberg or, or CNN or BBC Worldwide than if it was published in your, in your, in your local newspaper. Um, and that's just generally how human psychology works. And um, I think clients are very happy with that. Um, and, and, and it works for them on the basis of their own belief system. Um, yeah. Can I ask, is your ambition ultimately for somebody to say, I trust that it's published by TPD Media? I think our ambition certainly is that. Yes, absolutely. That, I mean, that is a crucial part of it. I think more generally speaking, however, our ambition is that when people with, when companies that have a desire to communicate within the B2B space, that they autom automatically think of TPD Media. That's, that's the wider ambition. It's fascinating talking to somebody like Paolo Zanini because it is a young company and he does bring a huge amount of his energy and personality to what's actually quite a small business space. Now, under normal circumstances, there would be 
production crews going off all over the world and bringing back the footage, very much like it's back to the mothership. Now in lockdown, its circumstances are very different. But with these interviews, what I'm trying to do is break between the first half, which is all about the business, and the second half, which is all about the person. And I've realized with Paolo, it's very difficult to get that distinction. It's less a hard edit and more a slow fade. So inevitably, finding out about him does mean finding out more about how he set up the whole company. Paolo, why did you start TBD in the first place? Well, <laughs> it's funny because I, I think most, most people that start a business don't necessarily know why they started that business in the first place. Certainly not when they're young. If you start a business, perhaps, I don't know, when you're, I'd say generally I think maybe after 35 or 40, you generally have a decent understanding of things and, and, and perhaps you have a whole belief system, which is the reason why you wanted to, to start that business. Something you didn't like in the market, something you didn't like in society, or something that you really believed in that you wanted to do. Generally speaking, before that, it's just a question of luck, coincidences, ambition, energy, and they sometimes just get funneled into something that then becomes a business. And then once you start it, well, you just run with it. And then you have to make adjustments. I would say, generally speaking, I've always been fairly ambitious. Um, I've always had a desire to have both financial as well as, I guess, intellectual freedom. So I don't necessarily want to be constrained by someone else's belief system. I don't necessarily want to be constrained by any financial limitations. I have a real desire for, for freedom um, in, in the greater sense. Um, and I think that was an underlying factor that would push me. But yeah, I think, I think there's certainly a distinction in between you know, starting a business, already knowing what your mission is, and generally speaking, just getting involved into something and there's an underlying energy that you have and you just focus as, as in, in, into something, yeah. Okay, so you say words like energy, you say words like ambition mm -hmm. and freedom of, of mm -hmm. thought. Yeah. And so I look around and see, it says on the wall, TBD Creative, yeah. and I get the atmosphere of this room and I talk yeah. to the people that work here. I think, well, this is a company made in your image, isn't it? Sure. Um, <clears throat> it generally is. You know, we, we're not, we're not a, a, a very big company. You know, we employ about 70 people around the world. We're not, you know a large, large media organization, a decent size. I mean, we're not 10 people either, but we are uh, still what you would consider an SME. And generally speaking, SMEs are very much an image of, 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 of the person who's the CEO, who the person who obviously owns the company and is very, I, you know, I, I started recently walking into the office every day and it's about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, sometimes an hour and a half to walk into work. And I, one of the reasons why I'm doing it is because in a moment where everyone's energy perhaps might be a little bit low and in a moment where the general mood might be a little bit negative, I just want to bring that positive spirit to the office every day. Mm. And I want to bring that energy, right? And so it, the reason why I mention that is because it, it, it directly breathes and, and reflects onto the people that work here. You know, if, I'm, if, I, if I feel that perhaps, you know, I'm in a particular bad space or anything like that, I feel I can sense it. I can yeah. sense that you can breathe it amongst the people. And that's because they look to you for, that, for guidance and direction, certainly within work. You know, you are the person who's saying, okay, do this, do that. So... Um, they, they generally tend to feed off you and, and, and naturally when you are poised with having to make decisions, 
um, you will create a particular path on the basis of a series of decisions that you make along the way that will generally tend to create an environment that reflects what's um, you know wh wh who you are and what you think. Sp speaking of environments in yeah. which you create what you think, that's not a that's not a London accent. No, <laughs> no, very much. So yeah. first of all, where is that accent from, and why did you choose? Because I guess you could have chosen to start this anywhere. Yes. Why you chose to start here in, in London? Um, so yes, very right. So I'm not originally from here, even though I, I have picked up a few things. I, I've travelled a lot. My very, very um, blessed. Um, you know, my father was uh, was was a diplomat, so we travelled quite quite a bit around the world, and uh, had a lot of opportunities to meet meet very interesting people to travel the world and, and, and see different places and different cultures. I always, I was always very drawn to Anglo-Saxon culture. So I lived in the US for a little while and then um, of course been here for, for, for up to 10 years now. And I was always very drawn to English speaking countries essentially. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is because the fundamental basis of English society is the rule of law. And when you understand the importance of rule of law, then it goes a long way to establishing a democratic society, certainly the way I interpret it. So very uh, liberal uh, and certainly libertarian in its values, a, a, a strong uh, importance of personal beliefs and, and personal freedoms. Uh, which I think are, are, are you know, mostly defended and mostly is something that is at the heart of a society within, within English-speaking cultures. Um, and so I, I couldn't go in the U.S. because, of course, the requirements are a lot more strict. I have an Italian passport, so I would have needed to have a visa. And I, I, I decided to come to London. And having been in London now for almost eight years, I think it's... Not everyone's going to agree because there's a lot of rain and there's a lot of obviously <laughs> things that are difficult to digest, literally, because sometimes the food <laughs> can be a little bit tricky. Uh, but nonetheless, it is as a business owner and someone who is interested in having the freedom, the support from the government, from the rule of law in order to be able to enter contracts and be able to enforce those contracts. It is, I think, one of the best countries, certainly within the European country continent i think one of the best countries to, to have a, a company and and yet you're also looking out to be international as well so yes you've got an office in new york that's and right you're opening up offices. well we have one in new york we have one in berlin uh i'm personally going to be opening up the office in san diego um hopefully within the next few months assuming that obviously we can travel um and then the intent is to open up another one in singapore and dubai over the next uh 24 months um, so yeah, but we're, you know, it's in our DNA. We are by nature, a very international business. We work with international media and that, that is, is kind of reflected in the films that we make, you know? What I've got from this, because also since you started TBD Media, you've mm -hmm. become a father for the first time. And, That's right. um, and it strikes me that you're trying to give your, your family that sort of international upbringing that you kind of had yes it's very true it's, yeah. it's not a coincidence it's very intentional when you started this business you mm -hmm. you either succeeded or you failed yeah, and now you have right. a family that's right. how does how's that changed your approach to things that's a very interesting question i heard someone say this to me the other day i can't remember who said it but they said one of your biggest responsibilities as a father is not to stop being who you are simply because you are a father 
And I think that they didn't mean that doesn't mean that you're going to change. I think it means in order for you to be able to give something interesting to your family, you should remain, your core belief system and your core ambitions should remain the same. Because they'll, they'll hopefully, hopefully be something that they could embrace and something that gives them something. You know? Whether that's their own ambition, their own belief system, or anything like that. You have to stay hungry. You have to stay ambitious. You have to keep believing what you believe. But there is, of course, a higher degree of risk because it's not just you anymore. Has your, has your appetite for risk changed? <laughs> it's been filtered. Let's say it's been filtered. So the, the, the initial thought and the initial appetite is always there. But now I have a filter. Yeah. Right. So and I think that kind of goes to speak to what I was just saying before in terms of not changing, you know. You make sure that the engine, make sure that the, that energy at the core of it remains the same. You just put a filter on it, so that you can you can the output maybe is is more conscious of what the actual consequences are going to be. Paolo, last question. Yes. This is the dinner party game. Yes. But it's not a dinner party. It's a business lunch. Right. Okay. You mm -hmm. can have absolutely anybody you like from mm -hmm. history. They can be alive. They can be dead. They can be fictional. Yeah. Who are you going to have to advance your your career, your yeah. business, whatever. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to have your business lunch with? I would love to have lunch with Elon Musk. Um, I think he's been doing some fascinating things. And what's fascinating about him is that he's not doing things that are a way to make money. He's doing things because... He truly believes those to be essential, crucial things for the advancement of our society. Now, whether that's because he believes himself to be a god, which is very possible, or whether that's simply because he feels that he has an obligation to give something to the world, um, I don't know. I've seen quite a few of his uh, podcasts or conferences or anything. And the way he sees the world and the way he sees questions that you ask him and, and replies are typical of someone who has a completely different way of wiring their brain. And a lot of times what, what happens is you might ask him a question and he's already thinking about why you've asked that question, what's motivating. And when he answers you, he's not answering your question. He's, he might he might be going way beyond that and answering what has motivated that question, what's at the heart of it. Is it, you know what I mean? So completely deconstructing yeah. the whole situation. And that's fascinating. That's fascinating, you know? I would, I would love to have lunch. Let's just hope that he would like to have lunch with me as well. That would well, be nice. My ambition is for him to pay for it as well. <laughs> yes, happy. Certainly a nice lunch. Then we'll go somewhere nice. Yeah. Okay, Paolo, thank you so much indeed for your time. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks to Paolo Zanini from TBD Media Group. If you'd like to find out more about today's guest, you'll find their business URL and LinkedIn page in the show notes. That's also where you'll find this show's contact details. So if you know of a great guest waiting to join us on The Y Word, put them in touch. Have a great time. Till the next time.